All right, so I'm going to go ahead and get this started. Um, I'm going to set the voice memo in case there's any issues with um, recording or downloading or publishing this recording within the Colin app. So I just got that started. Um, I had planned to start this recording about an hour ago, but my fiance came home and uh, wanted to catch up with her. Um, but yeah, and again, Tuesday is a good day for me to try and record this. Um, I kind of have the house to myself. Uh, usually she does a women's circle here in Chiapas, so um, i probably cut all of this out. But anyways, yeah, so thank you for um, tuning in to episode three, Berlin part two. Um, going to try and get this to 20 minutes, but it might be shorter. We'll see. Um, it's it seems like that's been a good time frame for me, but we'll see what happens. So, um, it is Tuesday, October 25th in the year of our Lord, 2022. I am recording this episode from San Cristobal de las Casas in Chiapas, Mexico. Um, so, yeah, so basically where I, and I was doing a little bit of research before I wanted to record this episode so kind of where we left off was that my friend got this opportunity to be an au pair for the most famous um, German soap opera actress uh, in, in Germany. Um, Diane, and, and what I've read in, in, in my research from what I've understood is that the German film industry is quite small in terms of how many actors there are. Um, so it's quite incestuous, for, for lack of a better word. Uh, Diane Kruger is one of the few um, that we know of in the States that has made the breakthrough into Hollywood. Um, but Bettina Zimmerman was, uh, you know, and I don't know, you know, I guess I should have looked at where she's at now or what she's doing or if she's still acting. But she was, you know, at the, you know, kind of the act, like the lead actress in the most popular German soap opera, and she was also doing the voices for, uh, you know, like the Angelina Jolie part. So that's what a lot of people called her, the Angelina Jolie of Germany. Um, so when it, I think Kung Fu Panda, maybe two, was out at that time, and that was one of the big things that they talked about with her, and, you know, I, I met her, um, was that she did the bits that, you know, she did the voiceover for the German version that Angelina Jolie did for, you know, with Jack Black for the American version. So, again, she was very well-known, and we had never heard of her, but just the way when we walked back into uh, Frau Valentina's apartment, the way that we were hearing her say her name with such excitement, it was, you know, it was not, oh, Bettina Zimmerman, it was Bettina Zimmerman. Like, we were like, this is someone. <laughs> we are like, this is someone. We don't know who this is, but... This is someone we kind of had an inkling, you know, right? We're like, oh, wow, like, you know, because Alex had had the meeting either that morning or the morning before. And we're like, uh, and so, and, you know, I, I don't know what his German comprehension was. Mine was zero. But either way, we're like, oh, this is, you know, this is something. So we're standing there like idiots right in her kitchen, watching her on the phone. She hangs, she's so excited. And, and I think she knows that we're there, but she's so excited that she can't even acknowledge us. She hangs up the phone. She's like, mine shots, mine boys. You will never believe what happened. And, and we're like, Bettina Zimmerman, how did you know? We're like, well, you said it 17 times. And she's like, do you know who that is? And we're like, no, but she sounds important or famous. 
And she's like, she tells us she has the most famous actress in all of Germany for so, you know, daytime television. And uh, she's no Diane Kruger, but she is, you know, Bettina Zimmerman. And we're like, okay, and? And you're kind of expecting. And she goes, and her, uh, she has a two-year-old son named Dylan, which is kind of funny if you think about it, because it's like Bob Dylan was previously Dylan Zimmerman. And so it was Bob and whether I think she did that on purpose, I forget. I think we asked, but but so she had a two-year-old son with a famous German actor who had just left her and you know blew her off and went with like I, I think a Greek actress to Brooklyn, New York, and and uh, so was like you know fucked off basically for lack of a, a better term, and. Uh, and basically was, you know, like this rare instance of this high-powered, famous, you know, woman that was looking for a male au pair. And she said to my friend Adam, like, this is your chance. Like, y- you want to be a writer. You want to learn German. Like, you are in. You, like, <laughs> you have got a golden ticket, boy. And he was super nervous and understandably so. Also, just like at the immensity of the opportunity, but he's like, I can't turn this. I'm like, he's like, I can't turn this down. I'm like, dude, you can't turn this down. And he's like, well, I guess our Euro trip is over. And I'm like, yeah, it, it is, but it was going to be over in a couple of weeks anyways. Like my, you know, longtime girlfriend is coming to Paris, and uh, you know, I probably I was going to make my way there anyways. And uh, so, you know, we wanted to do two or three weeks. <laughs> I guess it's going to be two or three days, but. Dude, you can't turn this down. He's like, yeah, I can't turn this down. So next day or two, we you know go to the wonderful museums of Berlin, the Pergamum, which has like the gates of Ishtar from Babylon and these amazing Greek friezes. And, you know, we just, you know, I don't know. We just explore Berlin for a few days. I don't remember it too well. But what I do remember very well is that like, uh, uh, you know, the, like we had like one free day. And, and, and that was it. And then the next day, it was either a Thursday or a Friday. I looked it up online because I remember it was Father's Day in Germany. And I went onto this website, like Date and Time, and I found that um, date, I lost the tab, but like Date and Time, German Father's Day. It was a Thursday. I, in my memory, I thought it was a Friday, but it was a Thursday. And I can go all the way back to 2011, which was when it would have been. And it tells me that that would have been June 2nd. Uh, looking back through the year, sometimes it's like May 17th. Uh, you know, I don't know how they do it, but it's either in May or June, always on a Thursday. Germans are different. I love German people that I've met, but they're a little different. So it's like May thir- 2010, it was Thursday, May 13th. 2009, it was Thursday, May 21st. 2008, it was Thursday, May 1st. And but 2011 it was Thursday June 2nd so it's either in May or June on a Thursday. Anyways, it it was Father's Day we and and we got a couple of beers and he's like I don't I was like do you want to go out it's our last day together in in Berlin on our you know what we wanted to be a Euro trip he's like I dude it's like we can stay in and have some beers but like this feels heavy it's like tomorrow I'm gonna have a son like a two year old son and he didn't have the best relationship with his dad which I knew of and. He was going to be like the full-on caretaker for this like very hyperactive two-year-old boy who was the son of a famous actress. So I was like, "No, dude, I get it. Like, you know, 
let's just stay in, have a few beers, let's talk. And we, you know, we got really deep and we had a good conversation. And, you know, the next day he went off. So like, you know, Monday or a Tuesday we got to Berlin and, you know, by Wednesday we were staying with her and by Friday he was, went, he, he left. And so that was the weirdest part to me was that it was like Alex or Adam left and then it was just me and the old lady. And that Friday, it's like, you know, she checked in with me. She's like, you know, you, do you want to stay? What are your plans? And I'm like, well, my, you know, girlfriend is flying to, to France and, but it's going to be like, you know, another 10 days or, or something like that. And uh, so, I, you know, is it cool if I hang out here? And she's like, of course, my Shotzi, like, hang out here and you'll meet my son. And well, you know, we, we can, you know, do all these things and, and have tea. And, and so this is where it gets really interesting because like, again, and, and at this time I was super, super introverted, super introverted. And I was just starting to break out of my shell. Like I was this super shy autistic kid that like I was the wallflower. I did not know how to engage in small talk. Like I would be at a dinner party or a party and I would just be, one of the people or the only person that was there not saying anything, not knowing how to engage. And, you know, I, I just, I, I don't know. I like, I did not know how to do that. And thanks to my girlfriend in college, she was very good and patient with me with these things. And ultimate, and I, you know, it was one of the things that like, I really taught myself how to do, how to be social, how to make small talk, how to, and I ended up like being successful in, in software sales. Like I, I've, I, I, it's one thing that I've very much overcome is this like crippling social anxiety. But, you know, that's all to say like that this was a very awkward situation for me. Whereas like my friend Adam was very much the life of the party, the outgoing one, the one that would speak for us where I was like the silent, smart one, I guess, you know, we could say. And, uh, and, and yeah, so I, <laughs> that Friday, like, I, I don't remember what happened, but we had breakfast and she was always feeding us and then just me and we'd have big breakfasts and big lunches and big dinners. And, and, uh, and I was still running then. I used to be a, you know, competitive runner and we were, her apartment was right near Charlottenburg uh, Palace, which was this like kind of mini Versailles, like this castle and these beautiful gardens. And she was like two minutes from there. So I would, in the morning I'd wake up and I'd run there. And I don't remember if it was that first day that Adam left or the second day or the third day, but like at one point after a day or two, I would wake up in the morning and I would look at the mirror and I'm like, did we die on the plane? Like, is this the, the television show Lost? Like. Where am I like this? Is, I, I'm in the weirdest situation of my life. Like I, I came to Berlin and Europe to do this trip with my buddy. And now I'm with this old woman and it felt so surreal. And I still remember the smell of her apartment. And sometimes I smell like a, I don't know, like a fabric softener or detergent. That's, and I'm instantly transported back there. But I would look at myself in the mirror and I'm just like, because I had, again, first time in my life, like I had nothing to do. I had no responsibilities. I had no classes. I just graduated college. And I'm just like, this is bizarre. And I'm with the sweet, the sweetest woman who's making, like, 
like, did I die? Like, I really felt like, like I had to pinch myself and be like, did I die? Because I am in a different reality right now. And, uh, and yeah, back, I mean, back in the day, like, my friend didn't have a smartphone. I had like a very janky, like early, it was like, it was called like Droid Global 2. It was like a very early Android that my dad made, like, you know, made me get, but helped me get because I was going to Europe. Um, but I had no easy way to contact him. Like literally the only way I could contact my friend was through the landline that this old lady had to the actress. So this is like, you know, again, I forget some of the details, but there were amazing experiences I had with this woman um, that changed my life. And I would say she was the first shaman that I ever met, which has been a big part of my path is meeting like spiritual teachers or shamans or, you know, something like that. Now, she was not religious and she was explicitly an atheist, but she had an ability to impart very deep wisdom. Harkening back to the previous episode when, you know, we asked her how she could trust us and that we weren't serial killers and she said that she looked into our eyes and the eyes were the windows of the soul and implicitly like again that was something that like I had heard and knew and implicitly knew was true but also thought was corny and you know and like wouldn't say that to anyone else and like wouldn't even say that to myself right like I and, and that's part of why I was so shy and not trusting and had social anxiety was that like I didn't trust my gut or my instinct or what have you that like if I walked into a room and I looked at someone and they had sketchy eyes or they had very wise, kind eyes, that I could trust that and, and extrapolate upon that and say like, okay, that's a good person. That could become a friend. That person is someone that is, I should be wary of and, and should not trust and should not let too deep into my life. Now I'm at the point where I can be in you know, a, th- a foreign country and I can, within two minutes of talking to someone, I can know like whether they're going to be in my life, whether they're going to be in my life for a, a you know, moderate amount of time, or whether this is someone that I should just like end the conversation and, and that's it. But that was thanks to the Frau. And so I'm going to explain just a few of the, the interactions I had with her that were very deep and very powerful. So um, there are... In, in, in Germany, um, it's the third largest Turkish city in the world in terms of population. So what that means is basically there's Ankara, there's Istanbul, and then there's Berlin in terms of Turkish people. And so, it, and, and actually there, they developed the, um, like the kebab and the donor, like the, it's the technology, right? Like the meat that's delicious. And there's maybe a few places in New York, maybe one in LA, I don't know, but like where you can find like really delicious, like Berlin Turkish style kebab. And they call it Doner. It's D O N E R. They call it, I think it's pronounced like Doner. And uh, there was actually a, a viral video I saw yesterday where apparently, you know, Doner, when I was there, was three euros for this, like, you know, a nice meal. And, uh, and, I guess now, or before inflation, it was four, but now it's eight. And they were yelling at some German finance minister being like, Donna is eight euro, make it back to four. Like it it is definitely like a price metric. Like in France, in Paris, they have the baguette at one euro. In New York, you have the slice of pizza at two or three bucks. 
Um, in Berlin, it's the Döner. That's the that's like kind of the I would say the unofficial national food. It's you know, kebab meat and a um, pita bread with the the vegetables, and it's it's delicious. It's it's better than if you've only been in the states, you've probably never had anything nearly as as good. Um, and so, anyways, like one day she's so excited, she's like, for lunch, she just she wants to go get Döner. She's like, my Shatsi, my boy, we're going to go down. Uh, and there's a dinner place, and that's three euro, and it's going to be a nice meal. And so we go down, and I was like, you know, mildly hungry, but she was feeding me a lot. Like for the first time in my life, I gained a few pounds. Um, and but we get down there, I go through the line, and I'm like, are you going to order two? And I'll, you know, I'll pay for you. It was always a weird thing with her because she was off, always offering to pay for me, but I had a little money saved up for my trip and. Um, she's like, no, no, you go, you go, I'm full, I'm full. And so I go and I go through the line, almost, you know, think like Chipotle, get my donor sandwich. We go outside, um, we get a place outside, and we're in this beautiful, like, little plaza in Charlottenburg in Berlin. And this woman walks by, and like, it's like a scene out of The Matrix, right, like with the red woman. And she's in this, like, tight pink, like, latex dress almost, I think. And like ridiculously high heels, and I realized like being raised Catholic, and also just like being raised weird with I think like sheltered in a way with my family. I don't I don't want to go into it, but like I had very much like learned to avert my eyes, and I didn't even really like think about it or know about it, and especially like because I had a girlfriend. But and again, this this woman was like total bimbo, maybe a prostitute. I don't know. Like definitely not my type necessarily, but she was like a work of art. Like she was something to watch on the street in, in and of herself. And I was like being like this Kvetsi, like, eh, I can't look at my sandwich. And for the first time in my life, for the first time in my life, this 80-year-old woman, let alone any age, she sees me doing this. She stops, she puts her hand like softly in front of my sandwich on my hand and she, and she just goes, look at her, look at her. And at first I thought she was saying it like in a judgmental way. Again, maybe my Catholic conditioning, she was like, look at it. Like I was saying, like, look at her, look at that prostitute. Like, cause there were a lot of prostitutes around Berlin. We, we saw, and, uh, she goes, look at her. And, and, and I was like, I shook my head. I'm like, no. And, and and she realizes the extent of my my repression, I guess. And she goes, no, no, no. I'm saying, look at her, look at her outfit, look how beautiful she. Like she's like she's maybe not your type, but just like watch her walk by, like watch the woman walk by, like stand up straight like a man, watch her walk by. She is dressed like that. She wants, and she goes, she wants you to look at her. She wants men to look. Like why would she be dressed like this? And I'm like, oh wow. And that was the moment that I knew, like, oh, this is, like, this is a shaman. Like, this is a powerful woman. Because, like, again, like, regardless of your morality, if you're Christian, Catholic, this or that, or the other thing, like, I think she was right. You know, like, again, as long as there's no lust, as long as, like, I'm not looking at her covetingly, like, why am I, like, looking away? Like, almost, like, revulsed. Because, like, she wasn't revulsive. And, uh, and it was just, it was a very empowering moment for me. And, uh, you know, I'm gr- very grateful for her for that. Um, there are a number of other things like this that happened. We would go to the, the, the zoo, like, uh, or like the Tiergarten, which is like the Central Park of Berlin. And everyone there, like, especially because I look a bit Germanic or whatever, like just assume that she was my grandma. 
And uh, sometimes people would come up to us and, and, you know, speak German, like assume I spoke German. Um, and she would just tell me, like, just like she'd have these flashbacks, these memories of World War II. She was nine years old when the war ended. And that is heavy. And that's like I'm going to save either for another podcast or for more private conversations because it was really heavy what she shared with me about that. Um, and and another thing, like, I, I broke down in her apartment. Uh, we were just sipping tea and watching nature documentaries, and she really broke into my psyche. Like, you know, you could think of Morpheus, or you could think of just, like, but she, like, read into me and my fears, like, on a level that no one, like, I could not have anticipated. And she gave me a lot of encouragement, and, yeah, I, I, I don't want to share all of that here just now, just yet, but she read into me in a way that I did not know was possible. And she basically just saw that, like, I had, during college, had bought into some, you know, Marxist, communist beliefs, and that I was, you know, a, a very angry 22-year-old or 23, whatever I was, and uh, she really saved me in, in, in a big way. Um, from falling deeper into that. When I see a lot of people nowadays that have really bought into that ideology or philosophy, like I really can empathize with that. As, as gross as the behavior can often be, I, I can empathize with it because I was falling down that path. And if it wasn't for meeting this woman, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so anyways, I guess there'll, there'll have to be a Berlin part three and then we'll take it to Paris and, and go on to South America or Morocco maybe. Um, but if you've listened, thanks for listening. Um, I've hit my limit here. And, uh, yeah, I will uh, catch, you on, catch you on the flip side.